Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite Checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 4, Episode 5. Back when Eddie Doyle was an English teacher, I'm pretty sure he had no idea what cybersecurity was, much less the role it would play in his life. Fast forward to today, where after wearing a few different hats over the last 15 years at Checkpoint, he's now one of our cybersecurity evangelists and provides a crucial, non-technical perspective on the subject. In this first of two episodes on the topic, Eddie and I talk about how organizations can create a culture of cybersecurity that goes beyond just the technical people. And it's easier than you think. Here's Eddie. You know, I work with a company of uh, amazing human beings. So, you know, I mean, so many of them are PhD status and, you know, IQs of 130 and above kind of thing, right? And um, it's been jolly challenging for a former English teacher. Now, look, you know, that was a long time ago, but I came out of university. I was teaching. I got into technology and just loved it because I'm a gadget geek. That's about as far as an engineer would describe me, right, as a gadget geek. And so because it was a, a tremendous struggle for me... It's become a passion of mine because I see other people in the same situation, especially at our customer sites where, you know, somebody will be the victim of a a phishing attack. You know, 81% of uh, most breaches nowadays uh, come through uh, email phishing campaigns. And, you know, I feel for these people. And so I started thinking, well, look, how are we giving them instruction on how to be safe online? What is the cyber hygiene that we're instructing them with? And whenever I look at it at our customer sites, it's still quite technical information. And because of where I come from, I empathize with that. And so I think, yeah, you know what? We can do better. We can do better as an industry. We, the technologists, and I include myself, I've been with Checkpoint 15 years now, so I can't, I can no longer claim that I'm not a technical guy, right? I can't, I can't lean on that and have that as an excuse anymore. I have to say, you know, I know this stuff, um, but, uh, but I think we can do better. And I think it has to be us. It has to be, you know, the cybersecurity vendors and the people that understand cyber. We have to come to their level of communication, not expect them to come to our level of ones and zeros. Well, that just sounds like good marketing. I mean, if you're if you're talking the language of the you know the customer and everything, is that yeah, that, that ultimately that's that's effective, right? It's, and I think. One of the things I know that I've seen in the you know in the last twenty five years of of, of you know or, or more of doing IT and cybersecurity is that yeah there is a there's a there's a real communication gap between uh, you know the technical people and everybody else is just trying to get their job done right they they they, they don't see the world the way that we see it you know sometimes it's when you when you explain this stuff to people then you realize that oh that, that it very much matters and oh by and oh by the way it's, it's not just a good idea to do it because it's the right thing for you, the business. It's the right thing for you to be doing because who among us here doesn't hasn't deal with IT on some level? We've all got phones and computers, and they all talk to different things, and we've all got data in different places. We may not we may not have thought about it as a as an IT um, you know is, you know our lives as IT. Everybody's an IT person now because they have to be in order to be able to know where all their stuff is, and and so I think in breaking it down to things that the average person can understand, that just seems that's just that's just smart. 
and they they will rise to the challenge of this too because so here's what's interesting if you look at technological advancements throughout the course of human history let's go back to 1440 when johann gutenberg invented the printing press now that was a technology you know a bunch of you know wooden sort of stamps as it were in in, in a press okay <clears throat> i'm not talking about the actual press that people needed to understand everybody was illiterate everybody was illiterate the technology was i need to learn how to read now, isn't that interesting? So you think about that. Prior to this point in human history, either the religious elite or the monarchs, the dictators, had the knowledge. They were the ones that could read. And the people that surrounded them, the lords, the barons, the people who were in charge, they were a minority. Everybody else was a serf. And so Gutenberg invents this thing called the printing press. 200 years later, we give birth to the great renaissance. And you get Spinoza and Galileo and Shakespeare and Newton, right? So, and the scientific age, which we are the beneficiaries of today. But when Gutenberg invented this printing press, most people, I would imagine, would have looked at all of these, you know, squiggly lines on paper and thought, well, what's all this about? I, I, this, this is a little benefit to me, or, you know, I don't know what to do with this. They had to be taught, Right, so that, that would have been a very difficult thing. Today, illiteracy is almost nothing. It's almost nothing. Everybody reads. And, they, and we read at what, age four? So fast forward, let's, let's skip over the Renaissance and all these beautiful time, uh, times in history. You and I, phone boy, are, are, are old enough to remember when Microsoft first came into people's offices. Okay. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, right. So when Microsoft first came into people's offices, IT's responsibility was to teach us how to use Word and Excel. Now, can you imagine that being an IT response? It's like, no, you learn all that stuff in school. We expect you to come to the job knowing how to use Microsoft Office. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, I, my memories of Microsoft are Microsoft Basic. So, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah, exactly. when, you know, when I first got a computer, that was, you know, and, and, I, and I had a few different computers growing up. And the one thing I think they all had in common was Microsoft Basic on some level, right? So... right. The expectation of what is IT and what is not has you know, that's something that's evolved over the last twenty five years. And when I when I had got my first IT job um, for 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 another company, yeah, the, what was responsibility of IT is very different now, right? It's like yeah, you you know yeah, back in the back in the nineties, yeah, you did have to occasionally educate people on on some of the basic stuff. But now it's a pretty that's a pretty common you know thing that you know there's 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 other training that people can can learn about that or can get about right. that. Right. And so it. IT must train um, our citizenry in cybersecurity in yeah. the same way that we taught people to read. And now we can read at age four and it's in the curriculum. It's at school. I mean, look, come on. The internet's only been around since, you know, the early nineties. And so, you know, we're in, it's in its infancy in, in that sense, but we'll, we'll get there. And so school programs need to have, and I don't want to start, you know, talking about how we get into school programs because, you know, we are this incredible vendor, you know, it, it, it is on us and it is on other vendors in the community to say, hey, look, you know, we want you to be safe. We make all these incredible things. Okay, how can we help you with this piece? And this is the human factor that's um, been the Achilles heel, I think, for uh, most corporations. Here's a, here's something I I think about when I when I think about the you know kind of the cybersecurity. I think about the why. Why do we do cybersecurity? It's not you know there there are only those of us who have been doing it for a long time that, that we like cybersecurity, right? That that that's a that's something we enjoy doing. Most people don't like doing it, right? So what's in it for them, right? And this isn't this isn't 
you know, it's not just cybersecurity, right? This is like, how do you navigate your life in a way that like reading? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like reading. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. that's like we're not, you know, we're not telling you that we you need to know how to stop the latest cyber threats. You just need to know how to be right. how to prevent yourself from or minimize the risk of you being taken for a victim. That's a great point. Yeah, man, exactly. I think we need to we need to split the training away from you need to know how to stop a cyber threat to you need to know how to be a safe citizen. Like basically, I, I suppose in that case, then that was a really good thought, Damon, because people need to be responsible for their own lives. And that's that's the most that you can ask of them. You and I working at Checkpoint, we need to be responsible for our lives and we represent this company. So we're responsible for whatever our job descriptions are. But that's right. You be responsible for your own cyber hygiene. Yeah. And and, and by doing that, you're also because ultimately they're, they're so interconnected now, right? I mean, the you know, I mean, I just for stuff that I've been personally going through, I've had to uh, segment out certain parts of my life from uh, from other parts of my life. And so, right. you, beca- beca- you know, and what I realized over the years is that there's a lot of things that just got tied to get, you know, that are tied together, you know, personally and professionally that maybe shouldn't have been right. And so now I'm kind of going through the process of of you know yeah looking at looking at all the different things and how they're connected and, and, and it's and it's difficult right it, it, there's you know I, you know again I've had to sort of just for stuff that's going on in my life I've had to I've had to make some changes and yeah it's you know to getting this stuff have keeping this stuff separate it's actually you know that's actually one of the things is the problem is that our lives are so interconnected and this, this especially got especially happened during COVID right when we all were working you know we all went from you know, not all of us but many of us went from working in an office on a regular basis to work from home and you know and so now the you know your your home IT and your corporate IT end up being kind of mixed up a bit right and and so um you know what and I think the, the approach that we need to take as far as you know I think as, as a vendor and again this is just my opinion is yeah it's we want to give every we want to give everybody the uh you know we want to give everybody the to to make the decision you know, make the, make the informed choice when presented with a with a quandary and we're not just about protecting businesses we're about protecting you I mean let's not forget we have have zone alarm. We it's a consumer business. Yeah, I know we're big in the you know the, you know in the IT cybersecurity, but it also in the personal space too. We've been doing you know we've got we've uh, so we it all it's all shapes and sizes. We you know we we mean it when we say you know uh, secure everything right, and that's because it, yeah. it's not just it's not just business. It's it's you as people that that we that, that we want we want to make sure that uh, yeah that the world is a safer place because yeah it, it's and it's not just. Uh, um, you know, and it's and it's it's real stuff that's happening out there. We see it all the time. Well, and you mentioned something just now about you know, especially after COVID. I just thought of something. You know, I wonder if that's the same for kids. And when I say kids, I mean I right up to about the age eighteen, because yeah, a lot of people were most people who worked in an office were forced to go, um, you know, work at home, and their corporate IT got mixed with their personal IT. But children have been on these, you know, TikTok and whatnot apps for years. I think that that. It's not corporate in the child's case, but that that cyber environment got thrust upon them at a very young age, and they've had to handle the same stresses that the citizenry since you know, March 2020 in the global lockdown have had to handle with you know big IT responsibilities at home. Right under our noses, our children have likely been already struggling. I know that those of us in, in, in cyber, we've kept an eye on our kids, right? But I think most parents, most people who are not in cyber probably have no idea that kids have already either overcome or are struggling with the challenges of staying secure online. And so to your point, 
you know, these things are melded together. And to the point of the blog post I wrote, what are we doing about it? Now, listen, I read a great example. So um, obviously, we only use um, public examples of organizations that have experienced a breach. Now, Tesla uh, experienced a breach quite a few years ago, a great company. Um, I always I always reserve talking about um, customers and mentioning them because you never want to blame the victim and, and, and media tends to do that. So I, I like to caveat with the fact that great company, I think, probably did all the right things. But one thing I did observe in my reading of that breach, this was uh, five, six, seven years ago, maybe, is that a storage guy. So um, there was a fellow that had um, responsibility for the Amazon uh, S3 containers. And the breach occurred because he didn't close the container. So very easy, right? So this is this this should not have happened. This is something where we've got technologies where we can give you a button that you could have toggled and that was it. It could have been closed. You could have actually just closed it with the innate, you know, let's call it security or lock that the S3 container has on it. You could have closed, but you didn't. Now, that storage guy, let's just call him storage guy, it took a fair bit of uh, heat for that. Fair enough, right? He's working at a company where he, I'm presuming they hire very smart people and they, you know, it, this is Tesla. This is a, a heck of a brand to work for. So you should be on. So you have responsibility. But I do remember thinking, well, what was his training? Was it in the onboarding documents that he signed three years earlier that he would, you know, I don't know, close the S3 containers or obey certain cybersecurity hygiene principles? Was it in that once a year training that he gets as cybersecurity? Because if it was, the culpability of that breach is shared with the corporation, not just the man. Because if you're told, oh yeah, hey, by the way, remember, just toggle that button, make, make, make sure that the S3 containers are closed. That's not training. Now, this actually led me back to my um, uh, academic roots in education. Because if there is not biological change in the human condition, there's no behavioral change. This is what I mean. We all know that neurons that fire together wire together. I'm talking about neuroplasticity now. So if you do something as a repetitive task, so if you're always on a certain number of keystrokes, like if you don't, change your, don't have to change your password for a long time, you can type it in fast because you type it in all the time. You can type it in so fast. That the neuroplasticity, the neurons have fired together so well, they've wired together. So you get behavioral change. Now, if I go up to somebody and say once, you should do it this way. Well, there's no neurons are firing. Nothing's happening. This is not training. You know, if you think about it at most companies, companies that have to, let's say, be GDPR compliant. Now, for the customers listening to us in the United States, let's say, um, many of you have done GDPR training, I would imagine. Okay, how did you get that training done? Was it some goofy slideshow with cartoons and, you know, some patronizing silly little thing, right? And was it 20 minutes long and at the end there was a multiple guess exam? Probably, because that's what our learning management systems have been set up for. Do you know learning management systems, so the LMS market is a, um, so there's a Dun & Bradstreet statistic on this, it's a $360 billion a year market. The average enterprise spends $19 million a year on this kind of training. And I say it's garbage training. Because if you don't have repetition Right? If you don't make those neurons fire regularly, you are not going to get any kind of behavioral change. We've seen this over and over again. And so people end up 
you know, most people that work at these companies like Tesla, they're very smart. So they'll challenge the multiple guess exam on GDPR. They'll pass 100%. They're compliant, but I bet you they know nothing about GDPR. Yeah, it's easy enough to guess the quizzes, right? I mean, you could sit right. there, you know, I mean, if you know anything about what the regulations are, you know what the answers are, right? But that doesn't right. mean in the heat of the moment, you won't do the, the wrong thing, right? And and and, yeah, and I think that's a, it's important to, when you're trying to drive a certain behavior, and I think this gets, in, this gets into a culture thing, right? And this is the, right. the, the, the point of the discussion here is, yeah, the culture should encourage the right behavior and, you know, and, and it should be something that's done on a regular basis. But how do we train for it then? That's the question. So, so you know what I stumbled across, Damien? I think you're like this. As an American, I'm a, I'm, I'm a wannabe American, my friend. I think I've got another year before I can take my citizenship test. So at the Battle of Gettysburg, all right, so for the non-American audience mem members listening to this, the Battle of Gettysburg was one of the most decisive battles in U.S. history. So very important. We'll just leave it at that and you can Google it. At the Battle of Gettysburg, it turns out that 90% of soldiers did not even discharge their weapon. 90% of them didn't even pull the trigger. Now, we know this from the 19,000 fully loaded muskets and full issue of bullets next to all of the fallen soldiers. These were just 14-year-old farm boys that just hunkered down. I mean, you know, no training. These are kids, right? They got shot and hurt, and it was terrible. Now, I read this, by the way, in a West Point, a West Point cadet wrote a paper quite a few years ago. I read this. I found it fascinating, and it absolutely pertains to the difference between training and drilling. Okay, so 90% of soldiers didn't even discharge their weapon. Fast forward to the Vietnam War. 90% of soldiers ran into a hellfire of bullets and engaged in battle. The U.S. military had completely reversed that trend over the course of their couple of hundred-year history. How? Well, this paper I read by this West Point cadet suggested it was drilling not training. There's a difference between drilling and training. Drilling leads to neuroplastic change and therefore behavioral change. Training is education. Training is you're getting some knowledge. But drilling is something that we need to solve for the problem of human behavior. So you think about going back to our examples of uh, literacy. Children are trained from the age of four to read. Subsequently, most people can read. <laughs> but how has that been accomplished? Daily repetition at school. So here's the problem that corporations have. Now, we're cybersecurity dudes, so we get it because we do this all day long. Our neurons have fired together. They've wired together. Not to say that we couldn't be hacked, but chances are a lot less with us. Yeah, but I mean, I'd, I'd still, I'd still say though that some of these scams are, that are coming in are. Oh yeah, don't yeah, worry. I'm, yeah. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I couldn't be caught. Anyone can be caught. Yeah, everyone's a target. That's that. That's the you everyone's know, I, a target. It's, it's funny. I, I mean, I created a slide of that. You know, you take a bunch of you, you, you know those, uh, you know those little target practice things when you're when you're you know when you're uh, shooting your gun, you know, at the, at the uh -huh. gun range or whatever. I put up a slide of just a bunch of pictures of those, and 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 my my statement is everybody's a target. Yeah, uh, right, yeah. right, exactly. And, 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 and everybody can be had, right? Even the smartest among us. That's right. But, but given that we work in cybersecurity, you know, we have ha had those neurons wiring together, firing together, wiring together, and therefore we've got certain behavioral change. So a great example, just two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I received an email from a CEO of a company that I know and trust, but the email said, attached is the proposal um, uh, what was it? Something along those. Attached is the proposal we've been discussing, and I just thought, well, that's odd. 
Hmm. So I forwarded it to our compliance department, who then detonated it in a safe environment. And lo and behold, that was a phishing attack. Now, that came from a CEO's email address and a CEO that I know and trust. And it had pretty similar language to what he would use. But there was no, why would I be getting a proposal from this man? So that was enough of a red flag for me. Uh, some people are just curious and they would click to open. And we're very forward-leaning creatures, us humans. We like to move forward. Clicking is part of that um, innate uh, kind of nature that we have. So we have been drilled because we work in this industry. You more than me as an engineer and someone that started many years before me in this industry, but me certainly for the last 15 years, I've been drilled. Okay. Now, if you are an accountant at Bank of America, you're not going to be spending eight hours a day learning about cybersecurity. You're not going to be spending one hour a day, right? No wonder the learning management systems grab people for, you know, half an hour, an hour, a year. But this is inadequate, we, we can't be doing that. So here's how I think the problem can be solved. Bite-sized training every single day. So every single day, you can push, I'm talking to the, the department of the CISO here now, you have to champion this within your organizations. And I can help you do it because there's some interesting, I've got some interesting theories on this. I've seen a lot of people attempt this. I've seen the failures and I've seen people who have been successful with this. So reach out to me on LinkedIn anytime. I've got an unusual enough name. You'll find me, Edwin, Eddie, Doyle, and then maybe add Manhattan. I'll be the first one that pops up. So, so and I can give you all the all of the pros and cons and, and successes and failures of other companies. So what you need to accomplish, Department of the CISO, is push, is champion this conversation with your HR department and your CEO that it's important enough to do this and push out one to two minute bite-sized pieces of information every single day. So if you're an accountant and Bank of New York Mellon, every single day you receive a something. It has to be pushed to you, not just on email, because email is just so 2012, people don't read it. Yeah, well, actually, so it gets, actually emails go, go, email goes back to the very early days of the internet. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. you know, SMTP has so, been around for a very long time. We know, we all know how it works. To, People yeah. ignore emails. You can't do it that way, but there are other, other better ways. But if you can push, so imagine after a year of receiving little bits of information about cyber hygiene from the department of the CISO as an accountant at Bank of New York Mellon. Because if you're an accountant there, you should be out billing at you know, $400 an hour. You're out spending time learning about cybersecurity every day. But you can afford to take one or two minutes a day. Absolutely, that's water cooler time. So this is the responsibility that I'm trying to get to um, you know, with our customers, is to say, you know, design a system that you can push this kind of relevant information. I mean, don't give GDPR to an accountant. They're never going to be spamming your European customers. So don't waste their time with that. Make sure it's relevant. Relevant. That's an absolute must. Otherwise, people switch it off. Make sure it's less than two minutes so it doesn't interrupt their day. Make sure it's pushed to them, not just received through, let's say, email. Otherwise, they'll never read it. Um, you know, and, uh, and that's it. It's actually quite simple. After a year, people are going to be cyber aware at the very least. And that's what we're trying to achieve in the culture is, yeah. is awareness of cyber so that when an email comes along from a CEO you know with an attachment on it, you're just about to click, but you leaned over your shoulder and you said, hey, Sally, hey, Mike, look at this thing. And they went, ooh, I don't think so. Forward that to compliance, right? Uh, exactly. That's the culture that gets, that gets built from daily drilling. 
Yeah, I think, and, and, and yeah, and I think that's how you get good at anything, right? It, it's ultimately, it is, you're, you're right. It's ultimately, uh, you know, there's a reason the military uh, drills, uh, you, know, um, you know, certain exercises or whatever, it's, it's, or di- different things. It's, it's, to get, it's to get you good at it, right? It's, it's a, the right. repetition is a, you know, is a, you know, hope, what, of course, you know, remember what Vince Lombardi said, it, you know, it's not just practice makes perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect right so right um, yeah well and you, and you think about some of the special forces and compare those to people with privileged access it's like look if you have privileged access today then uh, i'm sorry but you have a responsibility so you gotta know this stuff so like storage guy at tesla he's got privileged access so it's like hey man you get a little bit of extra training um so think about the navy seals the navy seals train 18 months for a six-month deployment yeah. they train 18 months for a six-month deployment. We give people one hour a year? <laughs> it's like, a, you know, what is this? this? This is not good. This is not helpful. So now I'm not saying, you know, for storage guy, um, he should spend the majority of his time in cyber training, but I am saying probably once every six months or once a year, you give that person a couple of days, right? Uh, maybe an offsite. I mean, this is important for privileged access people. Like, how important do you want to make this, right? So, so you, you, you treat those people differently because they are the elite forces. I mean, the same goes for cybersecurity, right? I mean, we do. Uh, we we just did a a session today with uh, with a company that we partner with on on, on cybersecurity training, a cyber, and uh, it's that same thing, right? So everybody has a certain level of responsibility. The, you know, the, the 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 people in IT, yeah, or the the people in in cybersecurity, yeah, we got a greater responsibility because we, you know, you, you guys trust us to do stuff, right, and 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 right. to keep your stuff safe, right? But at the same time, everybody has a little bit of responsibility. Responsibility. And again, it's if nothing else, it's just for themselves. You're not just doing this for the company. You're doing this for yourself. And I think, you know, this is, you know, it has an impact on the business. But again, you do the same things yourself. You know, rising tide floats all boats, right? Or, you know, right. It, it raises everybody up. And I think this is right. so. I think. This is, you know, when we start talking about culture and an organization, yeah, and that's, I think, what it comes down to really is, yeah, what's in it for everybody else? It's not just, okay, it keeps the company safe, but it keeps you safe, right? It, this is not a, right. um, you know, the things that, you know, the things that we tell people to do, you know, for example, don't use the same password everywhere, change your password frequently, be careful what, be careful what you click on, right? All, the, all of these things are going to, uh, yeah, they're going to make the business safer, but they're also going to make you safer. It's like walking down the street and in, in any in any city, right? That there's certain things you're not going to do as safety measures. All we're doing is really just educating people. Like here's how to here's how to survive in the world without getting taken. Because right. like I said, everybody's a target, and all you need to do is just inc- decrease your surface ever area just a little bit. And you're right. going to be safer, right? It's there, and, and you're never going to be 100% secure or 100%, you know, compromised. There's 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 a, it's a spectrum. So you do the safe things. Odds are you're not going to get compromised. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and review and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.